Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today, our guest on the podcast is Dr. Pat Lobes, Associate Professor of Communication, Communication Program Director here at Grace College. Dr. Lobes received his BA from the University of Northwestern, his MA from Minnesota State University, and his PhD from the University of Memphis. I can also vouch that during his time at Grace, he has quickly become one of the faculty stars on the intramural basketball court. And Dr. Lobes and his family recently returned from Hungary, where he was a visiting professor at Caroli Gaspar University, a partner university with Grace. Pat, welcome back, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to have you back on the intramural basketball court where you uh, thoroughly uh, dominate our undergrads. This coming from three-point flam. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I might have to borrow that. It's like going to be my new uh, Twitter handle or jersey, something. Three-point. Yeah. Well, thanks for being able uh, to join us and willing to join us. We're doing a, a series. We've already talked to a couple students um, who have both went to Caroli Gaspar from Grace and vice versa. And it's been great to just learn a little bit about each of their experiences. And I'm excited to kind of get on the other side of the lectern um, and hear about your time over in Hungary. So um, first start just a little bit with, you know, how did you hear about the opportunity? How, how did it come about that you were able to take a semester and go abroad with your family? Uh, I think it was a combination of uh, some really hard work on on behalf of some of the the faculty and staff and a little bit of fortuitous events. So it began when I knew a sabbatical was coming up and I had a desire to go overseas somewhere, Um, but the options were pretty limited. Grace didn't have a lot of uh, partnerships. So I actually looked at the CCCU website and found this random school in Hungary, Karoli Gaspar, and they were an international member. And so I emailed one of the the director of international relations, which seemed like the most appropriate person to ask this question, <laughs> and tried to introduce our university and say, "This is uh, what I'm looking at. Would we be a good, you know, partner school for something?" And his response indicated a little bit of interest, and I passed that on to Jacqueline Schramm, who ran with it. And over the course of the next year and a half, or maybe two years, they visited us. Uh, Jacqueline and um, several other people and Paul Blair visited them. And uh, I think the partnership was formed on paper. And eventually uh, it got to the point where we were ready to sign official exchange policy. And um, as it happened, that was the same time that I was ready to take a sabbatical. And so kind of looked for something different and had the opportunity. They invited me to come and teach some courses. So we did. And Grace was very gracious to us and allowing, because it's not quite a sabbatical in the traditional sense. <laughs> but uh, you I still also, had to work uh, quite, to quite work. a bit. And uh, it also, as I understand, served Grace's purposes by um, accomplishing some of the strategic plan sure. in further forging ties with the international community. Yep, absolutely. So it, was, it served multiple purposes, and we were really happy to go. So tell us about your family's like accommodations, where you stayed, and then what was typical schedule for the Loeb's family and for you while there in Hungary? 
So I'm not going to say that we were the um, we we did everything right because it was very much a kind of figuring things out for the first few weeks. But the university over there was again very gracious to us and provided us housing uh, within man three blocks from the the actual university. Now the university is different from it is from the what Grace Campus is like. So this is located in Budapest, which is a city of two million people, and the campus is not a campus in the traditional sense, but rather disparate buildings spread out all over. So the Department of, what do they call it? The Faculty of Humanities is located in one place and the Faculty of Theology is elsewhere and the Faculty of Law is somewhere else. And, and anyway, but the uh, lodging we had was only about three blocks from the Faculty of Humanities, which is where I taught my courses. And they had rented the apartment for the year. So someone else is there now, hmm. another visiting faculty member. So they provided it for us, and it was a wonderful location. It was on the third floor of, of uh, in the inner city. So we were in the old Buddha or Budapest city. There was uh, the city wall, you know, built okay. to keep the yeah. the Turks out. I guess is what it, technically it would have been, and we were on the inside of that. So the old part of the city, and everywhere you look is is ancient architecture, and you, know, you realize you're walking down streets that for a millennia have been inhabited or have been trod on by people. And mm. it, was, it was a really great experience. So a typical day for me, I taught two days a week, uh, three courses. I taught a course called, um, two of them I teach here. I taught uh, Com Research Methods and Interpersonal Communication. And then I taught a master's level course to Hungarian students who were looking to pursue academics. And that was like um, an introduction to public speaking in the English language. So very, very basic. English was not something they were well-versed with. And so we talked about how to prepare for a conference and that kind of thing. And so um, we homeschooled. I have one daughter in, in second grade, and we homeschooled her. Uh, we had never homeschooled before, so mm. it involved you know going through a workbook, and she learned her multiplication table. And I, I hope that kept her up to speed. <laughs> she seems to be doing okay. Back in school now, or back she in know? school okay. now, yeah. Um, Lincoln Elementary, woohoo! Uh, but so, uh, in a typical day, you know, we would just, I would say, a typical day, I would go in around nine and either work at the office or teach, depending on the day, until maybe four or so. And then um, we would come, and typically the evenings would be spent kind of exploring the city. There's a a plethora of parks, um, all of them unique. You some had has had forty or fifty long, forty or fifty foot slides down the down a big steep hill. Um, others were like a giant human hamster wheel. Others were zip lines. Others were, and so the girls just loved to go to the park and and explore and play and, and get some exercise. And then sometimes we would grab coffee or ice cream or occasionally would would dine out at a at a place but um it wasn't too far removed from what we do here okay um the difference being you're just in a brand new culture with brand new people uh, new experiences around every corner and um, i think we just we really enjoyed it so while i was gone my wife um the girls were taking violin lessons and uh, continuing over there and also you know doing their homework at home and other than that, they're both readers and 
played with her little sister and went to the park and it was a pretty low-key affair but that's cool it's an absolutely beautiful city and and so let's talk about the language Mm -hmm. like um i've heard hungarian is a difficult language to pick up as english speakers was it rather easy to navigate budapest um, and teach your classes uh, were most of the students English speakers H- how did the dynamics of language work for you so I'll address the Hungarian language and I'm no expert in this probably Dr. Richter would be a good one to ask about Hungarian language but as I understand it it is not only difficult it is the most difficult mm. because it doesn't resemble anything apparently it is part of a language family that is called Finno Ungric or something like that. And the, the idea is Finnish is the closest relation and has nothing in common. So <laughs> Hungarian is unique in its pronunciation, in its use of vowels, in its use of, of uh, accents. There's no correlation to any other language. Again, this is as I understand it to be. And therefore, um, yeah, we, we learned the basics. You know, thank you, please, nice to meet you, um, entrance, exit, that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I could never carry on a conversation. But the nice thing about it, and this I think surprised me, is is that it was, I don't feel like we went through culture shock at all because it was in every way Western. Hmm. All the systems were the same. So if you could read a map, you could get anywhere. The restaurants work the exact same way. You walk in, you point to something on a menu, they bring you the food, you pay, you leave. It's There was no huge cultural shifts that we really had to adjust to. And uh, most people speak English in a pinch as well. Okay. So it really wasn't all that difficult to to, uh, navigate. In terms of the classes, two of the classes I taught were part of a system called Erasmus. And it's it's an international system. So the students in two of those courses were all from other countries, not Hungary. So I had one course of 24 students representing, I believe, 14 countries. So Japan and South Korea, Ireland, Spain, Portugal, France, uh, Romania, Ukraine, Poland, and probably some others that I don't recall. And all of them... You know, they knew English as a second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth language. (laughs) And so it was good for me, I think, a a little bit of a stretch to when you teach in an all English environment like Grace or anywhere in the United States, you fall back on the idioms and colloquialisms that are common in our our language use. You know, the metaphors we use, the similes and things, you don't think anything of it. Right. But you are constantly aware of the things you say and realize that that they may not understand. So I would find myself, I don't think in a uh, condescending way, but to say, does this make sense? Am I speaking in a way that that makes sense to you? And most of the time it it worked, but there were a few times when they said, I don't understand what that meant. Mm. But it also provided some really cool opportunities activities that you could never do here. Like um, we had a whole lesson on nonverbal communication. And so I made a a list the night before of gestures we use, you know, um, uh, like uh, the crazy gesture Uh or the, the um, like let's go gesture. 
or, or things like that. Um, or, you know, like I'm watching yes. time to yes. time to move. And I, I did this with them and, and said, do you know these? And they knew some of them and others were like, oh, that makes sense now. Interesting. And then I learned some from them as well. You know, um, some, some Portugal gestures and or Portuguese gestures and some South Korean gestures. And then, and it's other things like we did another one the same day on nonverbal where I asked the students to think of a story they have, an, an, an experience they've had with an animal. Like it could be a pet, could be at the zoo, and I would like you to turn to someone who does not speak your native language and explain the story in your native language using as many gestures as possible so that the message becomes as clear as it can. And they said, right now? And I said, yes. And instantly it was like this cacophony of <laughs> language. I'm hearing Portuguese and Spanish and South Korean and French and, and just it was amazing. You could never do that. In my classroom here, sure, because we're we're limited as to the ability to speak. But it was such a great opportunity to to see how, even despite these differences, we have these things in common. These these gestures and these actions, like you know, how do you explain a dog? Is you know, like pant, and everyone, oh, that's a dog. And it was just this really cool. Some are the same, some are different. Yeah, some, some are the same, yeah. and some are different. And, you know, big is big. You can use your hands to indicate big or small, you know. Um, but just a, it's a really cool opportunity to see how how you can overcome those language barriers. So, um, What a fun subject matter. I mean, oh, to be yeah. teaching communication in a classroom like that where you have languages of origin from all over the world that would be really mm -hmm. fascinating um which is one of the whole points of like a sabbatical and doing something this like this right is to learn outside of your normal context yeah I um so. so with that said tell me like about the students that you taught there um, and uh, compare and contrast without disparaging either. Yeah. Um, you know, students that you were able to interact with in your classroom there versus students you interact with here in the States, specifically at Grace. Well, I think for one, there's, there was no expectation of religious association at this university. So students were from universities all over the world. Okay. And so despite it's Christian, but it's not, not everyone there at, Right. who attends yeah. claims the Christian It's a faith. different system because, again, as I understand it, Caroli Gaspar is a Christian university, but because it's state-funded, funded by the nation of Hungary, it uh, there are some limits as to how Christian it can be. Sure. As in, they can't forbid people to enter because they don't hold to a doctrinal creed. Um, that's the part of the liberal... Um, the, the, the liberal liberal European kind of way of like education is important and you can't limit it. Yes. Um, uh, sorry. Well, so, the compare question. and contrast students. <clears throat> oh, so I mean, the, I thought they were they were great. We just there's so much opportunity to discuss. Um, that's probably the biggest difference is that when you speak to students at Grace, there's a an assumption that at least there's the common doctrinal understanding or there's an understanding that you can reference biblical texts and use them as examples, for instance. There's not that assumption. So, I mean, in, I, I thought they, given the, the cultural differences and the linguistic differences, 
the language barriers. I thought they were absolutely great. I've I've told I told all of them when I left that you know this has been a, a four month period where I've gotten to know you and you've gotten to know me. Please consider me a resource. And if you ever find yourself in the United States and need a contact, here's my email and and feel free to reach out. Um, I think a lot of them would have loved to come over here to study in master's work or something like mm. that. But I don't know if they they were any different in in any broad sense. They're all. 20 to 22 year old students figuring things out um there's certainly some cultural differences certain things are allowed in europe that are not allowed in the united states or at grace but um there's uh smoking is everywhere huh. right so you step outside the um like all of europe smokes it seems <laughs> and so you step outside the classroom into the courtyard of the school and there's a group of 50 or 60 people there with cigarettes and that's just a expected part no one condemns it no one thinks it's a big deal that's just just part of life and so you wouldn't find that at grace right right? right. um but but in terms of overall student attitudes yeah i thought they were fine you know they cared about grades they cared about learning they cared about um but but from a European perspective, what uh, what do you feel like you um, maybe learned about your teaching or learned that uh, about the culture around you or that that you are excited to bring back um, to your role here at Grace as professor and director of the communication program? Well, for one, I think there's a almost indescribable indescribable value to going there. And so one thing I would like to bring back is is the to encourage others to try it. Students, other faculty, I mean it's a just an amazing experience. Uh, at least for me when I think of Europe, Hungary doesn't really enter into my initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think France, Germany, you know, that kind of the western side, but Hungary is a beautiful country with an amazingly rich culture and a, and a fascinating history. And so I hope others attend as well. But I've already noticed when I have classes here that I've got as if there's an extra resource I can pull from. So I find myself saying, for instance, when I was in Hungary, this is what I saw. Look at how that contrasts with what we're experiencing now. Yeah, and absolutely. I have another another pool I can draw from for examples, um, personal experiences. I, you know, we were there in, um, in a really interesting time where the, the city celebrated the 1956 revolution against, uh, the USSR and we witnessed it and saw the way they protested and what they cared about. And I can use this in my political communication class. And I can talk about how this is what politics is to a, to a people who were ruled by communism for 40 years of their existence. Mm. And it just, it's more stuff to my knowledge has grown. My experiences have grown and therefore I can more refine what I teach. That's great. Uh, from a faith perspective, you mentioned, you know, it's a Christian university, but they're very open um, about other faiths and just function in a different manner. Um, how did your faith journey or experience through those four months, I mean, what, what do you think you learned uh, about God, about yourself, um, that 
you're excited or thankful for? Yeah. I think more than anything, and this happens other, this is one reason that I value the international experience. This sure. is why I do go and counter. This is why I, I love the sabbatical. And if Grace let me, I would go again tomorrow. You know, it was a fascinating time. I loved it. But I think there's a, there's a good lesson to be learned whenever you encounter people who have the same faith but different um, manifestations of it. Sure. You know, you, you, you start to – you wonder sometimes, like, what are the core tenets of the faith? And have we in some way in American culture, have we added too much to the faith that may not be necessary? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I'm not – in any way trying to disparage doctrine, but where's the line? Where's the, because. Doctrine and culture, it's hard yeah, to, doctrine I mean, they, culture, they begin do, mixing at some point. How do you separate them and, and the, what is Christian right. and what is cultural? And so you just, as your, as your horizons grow and you, you, you expand your, your understanding of things and you, and you just witness more, you begin to just go like, huh, these people are, these people are, Fervent believers, you know, uh, they love the Lord, yet they'll go to the bar and watch a watch a football game or you know soccer, and it's not an issue to anybody. And that's just a, it's an interesting kind of dynamic that we I think it's good to wrestle through it hmm. and not be complacent and settled. Always be willing to grow and be challenged and be uncomfortable. Hmm. Uh, so somebody listening, student, uh, maybe another professor, maybe just an alum from Grace who's listening to this podcast and is like, eh, I've never really traveled that much. And I would be in that category. I've, I've had a few international experiences mm-hmm. on a very limited basis uh, for a few days or a week. But, I mean, you were there, like, embedded for months. Mm-hmm. Talk about the value of that, of, like, not just visiting Hungary, but living there and um, why you would encourage others or if you would encourage others to have that similar type of experience? Well, I think as visitors to a place, we tend to to look at a tour book and find what the top 10 sites Mm -hmm. and visit them and move on. Right. But you miss out on the lived experience of the people who call this place home. And I think being any place for we were there just over four months you make friends and i mean i'm getting daily texts from my hungarian friends and and you know how are things at grace what do you use for that whatsapp okay or signal okay yeah it's great and uh um and you like i said you make friends we were taken to one of the other professor he invited us to his family home in southern Hungary, and we spent a day with his brother and his mother, and um, they don't speak a word of English, so he translated what was necessary. But my wife got to participate in a in a traditional Hungarian strudel making. Ooh, that sounds tasty! We, right there, we have there. video. It was delicious. <laughs> and my girls, we just walked around this little town that. I don't know if a tourist would ever step foot step foot in. I mean, it's a thousand people, two or three hours from the city capital or from the, the capital of the city or capital of the country. Why would you ever go there? Right. That's not a tourist thing to do. But doing it 
you learn so much about the people and see what they've been through. And, you know, while, while we were there, the uh, professor took us to a former Russian or USSR army base. And he said, you know, here's the barracks. Here's where they stored the nuclear weapons. Wow. And it was like, what? You forget that this is, to the people who lived there, recent history, like 30 years ago recent history. They've all lived through the fall of communism. And they not only lived through it, experienced it, like saw the Russian soldiers and saw them leave. And that's not a tourist thing. That's mm. a that's an experience. And so we did that a couple times to two or three kind of little ventures outside of the city. But even in the city, you know, I, I think I remain convinced that if you only have a brief period of time, number one, go grocery shopping. Don't eat at restaurants. Go grocery shopping because you will find things that you didn't know existed. You will. <laughs> and it's the, it's the oddest stuff like where do they keep oregano? Well, they don't sell oregano in jars. It's in packets. And it's called something different. Yeah. And so then you have to hunt for this stuff and, and, um, or, and, and go pay too much for coffee somewhere and just sit and watch people. Find a, a quaint little place off the beaten path where there's no souvenir shops hmm. and just sit. And then finally go to a church. And just go to the cathedral and just sit. Don't have to talk to anybody. Just sit and realize that, that the practice of religion is, is ancient. And it is, you know, I, I think like in many places, um, religious attendance has fallen off. But there are hundreds of these beautiful cathedrals, all of them built, you know, to the glory of God at some point in their history. And just go not a tourist church, just a church, and just sit and and you know ponder the 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 many who have sat where you are, what they've experienced, what they've prayed for, what they've mourned, you know, and just just be in that moment. Hmm. And I think those are things that, that are hard to do when you are just coming and going. And we saw this all the time. Budapest is a very um, very very popular tourist spot, but the boats on the river will pull up and unload their thousand passengers and you've got one day and then you load up and move on and you just you miss the feel of the city and i i'll just say you know one more kind of for instance there's a we found a, a hungary settle it's most of europe celebrates what they call the day of um it's october 31st so it's the all saints day where um it's a chance for native or native people to native hungarians to honor the dead, remember the legacies that were left. And so um, stuff is closed. And in the evening, or kind of all day, but in the evening, um, families will go to the cemetery where their ancestors are buried and hold small vigils around. You, know, you try not to gawk at them, but, um, but small vigils around, uh, around their ancestors and maybe pray, maybe sing a song, but just remember and leave a candle. And so all the places sell candles on the street, hmm. uh, the grocery store sell candles and everyone buys these. And so we went at the recommendation of, of some people and, you know, it's, it's very respectful and, but these cemeteries are huge and they're, they're all lit up in candlelight and they're just beautiful. And it's this 
just amazing October evening and all the leaves are orange and you're walking through and there's thousands of people all hmm. all gathered to commemorate those who came before. That's something tourists would never see. Hmm. And you would not see, you would not get that unless you were part of it and, and attended at that moment and knew that this existed. Wow. So, man, if anyone who's listening ever has a chance, go. Your life will wait for you here. If you can swing the cost, go. Make it happen because it will change your your perspective and give you a lifelong set of memories that will forever alter how you think and who you are. What do you uh, had? Had you taken? Um, I mean, you led to go and counter trips, mm-hmm. but did you do semester abroad or anything as an undergraduate student? Okay. To the best of my knowledge, my university didn't have anything. Okay. Like that. Okay. Which Grace does, yes. um, and, and many of our students are, and I'm sure you would encourage them. Hey, look into those opportunities as they exist for your major to to do something overseas. Absolutely. Um, but there's also got to be some value in doing it. You know, when you've attended three institutions, you have a PhD, you're, you know, you have a family. I mean, you have some life perspective to also Mm -hmm. bring. It's got to be neat um, to also step away and and see it from a different perspective. Um, So the question is like, where would you go next? Would you, would you kind of like, hey, I want to keep going back to similar locations because I, I, you know, I want to continue to learn about a certain people group or region, or would you be like, no, I want to go to a totally different place in the world and experience that. It's a tough question to answer because the exploratory, adventurous side of me would love to try something brand new. But the more time you spend in a place, the more relationships you develop. And I want to go see those people again. And I mm-hmm. want to further build the relationship. You know, um, So it, it's hard to say. Um, but I, I really – I have a, a – unexplainable kind of love for Central Europe. Um, I, I've spent a fair amount of time in Austria, having now spent some time in, in Hungary. I would love to go to the Czech Republic. And I think the really cool part about Europe, and I, I, I'm not a world traveler, so I, it might be like this in other ways, in other places as well. But the cool thing about Europe is because the history was never nationhood, Every city's different. Hmm. Prague is going to be totally different than Hungary or than, than Budapest. And Krakow is going to be very different from Prague. Even though they're not far away, the culture is different. The language is different. The, the architecture is different. Everything is, is different. And so you could spend you know, six months just city hopping hmm. and barely scratch the surface of, of that part. So... I guess that would probably be the the short answer. I would like to try a different place, uh, but in that region. But in the same region um, to but, check. But Grace doesn't yet have partnerships with any any school in Prague. <laughs> well, I'll hey, to, you started the first I'll one. You, you know, you have to start. See what do we some can do. googling. See what you can do next. Yeah. <laughs> you got seven years, right? For the right <laughs> for the next sabbatical. Well, thank you for being willing to share about a little bit about your experience. And I'm hopeful as folks listen to this three-part series that they are encouraged to think broader and bigger about the world we have around us, that God has made 
uh, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and the opportunity to experience that. Um, I know for me, the few times I have been able to travel have been impactful, and those have always been short trips. And I think something like being immersed in a culture uh, would be so valuable for me at some point in my life's journey as well. So thank you for being willing to share and let us live a little bit vicariously through the Loeb's European experience. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Grace Story podcast. Music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. Thanks also to our co-producers, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And if you can do us a huge favor and rate or comment on this podcast wherever you retrieved it from, we would be so grateful. Until next time, live your best Grace Story today.